This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. I'm really pleased to have as our guest on today's show, Mike Griffiths, a good friend who farms alpacas in the northwest of England. I have had regular contact with Mike over many years now, and it is a delight to be able to spend some time in conversation with him, talking about his experience. His herd is called Greenside Alpacas, and there will be more details in the show notes. So welcome, Mike, and thanks for being with us today. When did you meet your first alpaca, and how did it make you feel? Uh, it was uh, 2001. Uh, yeah, I found them a very bewitching animal, really, but not not like anything else I'd met before. Uh, I'd not I'd not previously had much experience with llamas either, other than what I'd seen in a zoo or a park. So alpacas was completely new, but it was a sheer chance thing more than anything else that uh, sparked it all off. And what then happened from from the having having seen your first one? Um, how did you actually end up owning some of your own? Well, without going into, into too much detail, at the, at the previous uh, uh, house that we had in the town, I had a business uh, magazine sent to me, you know, about all different types of businesses all around the world. And it was all about alpaca farming in Australia and how it was starting to be introduced here in the UK. So I found it a very interesting article and so did Mary, my wife. And so that sparked our interest. But like at the time, we had no land, we had nowhere to accommodate alpacas. So the, the children were all at school. So the magazine ironically got shelved in the back of the drawer as I was out, uh, um, didn't want to throw it away. So I, I just kept it. So when we moved to where we live now, uh, which only had a small acreage, ironically, within an, a couple of weeks, uh, we had a farming magazine come because it was a, an active dairy farm before we arrived. And in there was an article about alpaca farming about a lady in Saddleworth, uh, Yorkshire. Um, and um, it was all about her alpacas and why she had them, etc. Uh, and so we ended up actually contacting her and going to see them. And that was our first experience, really. And that was in the same place where you, you now are? That is correct. We, we, we moved to the, from just outside the town to where we are now, yeah, the farm. Right. Now, I think of you being in the Lake District, but I know Cumbria and the Lake District aren't quite the same thing. Uh, so roughly, where are you? The Lake District is in Cumbria. We're, we're actually on the border between Lancashire, Cumbria and Yorkshire. We're right on the border between the three counties. We have a Lancashire postcode, but uh, we actually live in Cumbria because I was in the retained fire service for 22 years uh, with Cumbria. But obviously, we carried out a lot of our work in Yorkshire and in Lancashire. Yeah, so we're very fortunate. We're just five minutes from exit 36 on the motorway. So you either turn left off the motorway and go into the Lake District or you turn right and go into the Yorkshire Dales. And we're to the right, just before you go into the Yorkshire Dales. The best of all worlds. <laughs> we're very, we're very lucky, very lucky. And what's the setup on your farm? How 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 big and 
have you just got alpacas or more animals as well? Uh, we we started off with four alpacas that we got from uh, a, uh, an alpaca centre at Penrith back in 2001, uh, just at the time of a foot and mouth outbreak. So we didn't take delivery of them till just after, for obvious reasons. Um, but uh, we have a very old donkey and her son. We have geese and ducks and cats and dogs and hens. But the alpacas are by by far the majority of our animals on the farm right yeah and how many have you got at the moment yeah just under 100 right because i know it varies <laughs> and you, you'll have career on the way this way i guess uh we do hopefully so i know you've been involved with a whole range of things including fleece and showing and sale of animals etc but but also uh, producing a specialist feed for alpacas or camelids uh, called camelid complete um, yes, how, how, did, how did that come about? Well, we used, like many, uh, a coarse mix uh, for many years to start with, but we did have problems with it, uh, which I, I won't go into the details, but uh, it wasn't an ideal feed we felt for the alpaca. Mm. And a friend of ours, uh, an animal nutritionist uh, with uh, uh, other vets, had formulated a feed and marketed it under the name Camelid Complete Feeds uh, for about 12 months. But uh, the lady could no longer run the company because of too many commitments on the farm and other things. And she found it difficult. And because we were one of her customers and close by and very close to the mill where it's made, she asked us basically, would we be interested in purchasing the company from her? And at that point, it was a it was a no brainer, really. We were most pleased with the feed and um, it, it was an, it was an ideal opportunity. So be it the company's grown in strength ever since the main product i guess from alpacas is considered to be fleece and obviously with about 100 you've got a reasonable amount of fleece that is being produced from your own herd um, and what what do you do with yours uh we 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 don't do any hand knitting or spinning ourselves we just don't have the time steve so we got involved with a company called h dawson's of bradford and uh, they now do uh, an annual collection around the breeders around the country uh, where they purchase it and then pr and then sell it on to the end user, usually a spinner, uh, that then uh, markets it and sells it usually as a spinning yarn, as a knitting yarn. Um, and uh, most of it, what's going into them at the moment, goes actually to America. Oh, really? That's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Goodness. Yeah, I would have thought they'd had enough of their own. But <laughs> Well, it's quite unique because it's marketed as a British product. Right. Which, of course, a lot of Americans do like. Indeed. Yeah. And it is ideally blended with a, a merino from mm. the Falkland Islands of all places in the right. world, which uh, is, uh, is British at the moment. But uh, so it, it's a unique product that's, that's been made by this company in Yorkshire, and they've done very well indeed. The, the, the H. Dawson's are wool buyers. Uh, they buy wool from all over the world. Uh, in fact, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Italy, and all throughout Europe. Uh, and then they sell it on 
to the the um, the end user, which is usually a spinner uh, that then markets it and makes it into different yarns that then approaches either a garment company or carpets or or whatever. So we we use all the different qualities: the first, the seconds, and the thirds. Uh, the good. thirds, yeah, the thirds go to make a, obviously a coarser yarn, which is ideal for rugs and carpets. Yeah, that's really good. That's being used. I know in Australia that's something that's grown. That whole they had a lot of animals that had coarser fleece, mm. um, and they developed the carpet side of things as a way of making yeah definite use of the, of that uh, that type of quality, which is great. So in in terms of other things happening with the alpacas, do you get people visiting you on the farm? We do. Uh, we we used to do open days, things like Easter time and Whitson time, yeah. which we do occasionally. But uh, we find we're, there's only Mary and myself on the farm. Sure. So we usually have our hands full. But uh, we do quite a few of, uh, you might say, charity events, uh, either for cancer or a couple of times the round table have brought children from Chernobyl. Oh, right. To yep. the farm uh, when they've been visiting the UK in this area. Mm. And that's always, um, that's an amazing day. It is. Yeah. So Imagine. it's mainly charitable events. We go to one or two local shows and exhibit the alpacas, but it's uh, a fun day really more than anything else. Sure. Yeah. So would you say there was a, an aspect of keeping alpacas that you enjoy the most? The trials and tribulations of alpaca ownership. The birthing side is always extremely exciting. Yeah, uh, I'd agree and with we that. Always yeah. We always approach the, the birthing period with trepidation, uh, making trying to make sure that we have everything that we're going to need. Obviously, when we need a vet, we do. But um, Mary, my wife, was a nurse, so she's got a lot of medical history. So we and she's learned over the years how to. To uh, uh, do a birth on a on a difficult presentation, which of course you get occasionally, and then the, the, yeah, I mean obviously we've all been involved with bottle feeding and uh, the difficulties of uh, sometimes a female takes to a career and other times they reject them and it's knowing what to do in those sort of situations and how to solve the problem and of course on the other side of the coin it's always very difficult when one becomes ill because although we have neck end of a hundred they're not just ear tags they've all got names our oldest alpaca on the farm is now 22 22 it's amazing yeah she, and she's still still looking really good yeah um, but of course very sadly they don't all live to that age no uh, through different illnesses which of course we all know they can get but you just do your best whenever you can mm. in, in terms of alpacas i've noticed that they're like variety I don't know whether you've found this, the same kind of thing. So in a situation, they like the stimulation of moving to a new field or having something different happening in the field and that kind of thing. Is is there anything you've yeah, noticed? The, the, or the, They're inquisitive. Yes. They're very inquisitive animals. Uh, there's no aggression with them. You rarely come across an alpaca that has any aggression. Yeah. Um, but they're just very inquisitive. So as you say, 
Um, we have our dogs, which uh, go in the field quite regularly, and they're used to them, and they just treat them as part of the family. But uh, obviously at crearing time, we're a little bit more careful because obviously the females are very wary about any hen, duck, uh, dog, cat. <laughs> cat anything. Uh, cat, cats are hilarious when the oh, cats yes. go in there. If anybody new comes on the farm and we go do a walkabout, then they come straight up and they're very yeah. interested and uh, but then of course after about 10 minutes they just walk away yeah more grass, just, please they're just very inquisitive they're very yeah. inquisitive yeah because i found that, that certainly moving them is uh they there are times when they'll queue up at one gate and then they decided enough of that direction we want to go this way so they uh, yeah absolutely uh, absolutely yeah so it's quite interesting yeah, yeah you have to uh, you have to think about what you're doing when you're moving animals about yeah. because they soon get bored uh and uh, trying to change their mind once they get bored is not always easy no they they do have a definite view on what they want to be doing they do uh, they do Thinking about people who um, might be looking at getting into keeping alpacas, keeping a few, what do you think is the, the, the greatest challenge that they face and, and how can we help them with that, do you think? Uh, well, just uh, making sure that when they do get the alpacas or if they have already got them, that they've got adequate fencing, making sure obviously the, the animals have got no access to any poisonous plants or bushes which isn't always easy, but no. he obviously has to be done. Uh, providing good shelter, fresh water, uh, hay, etc. Ensuring that they have a good uh, husbandry routine as far as vaccinations are concerned and worming. Uh, that's so a yearly stuff. health plan, yeah. A, a yearly health plan, yeah. Something that, um, you know, that quite often we find people that haven't purchased alpacas from us uh, we get in touch with us and they don't know what products to use or how to administer them. Mm. And so it's fairly basic stuff. But of course, as we all know, the alpaca does need that care mm. and that um, they can't go and worm themselves or vaccinate themselves. So mm. it, it, it must be done. And of course, shearing time is another important time and tr mm. trimming of the nails and checking the teeth. So just just good husbandry care, really. Yeah, that's really good. And in terms of equipment, um, there, there are so many things you can add in, but I, I was just trying to think about it. What would I be saying? But I'll, I'll ask you the question first and then we compare notes. What kind of three pieces of equipment would you think would be essential? Well, as I just pre previously just mentioned, toe trimming right. is important, particularly animals with uh, white animals with uh, uh, the white nails, which seem to grow a lot faster. Right. So yes. it's, it's important to keep those trimmed unless they've got access to some hard ground which sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But if they're on soft ground, of course, they grow a lot faster. True. Uh, a good set of uh, shears for trimming the top knots, keeping the hair yeah. out of their eyes because they can get eye infections through hair, you know, gets mud on it and dirt. Yeah, so keeping the, it in. Keep, yeah. keeping the top knots well trimmed is another important thing. And a, and a, and a good drenching gun, really. 
for administering obviously drenches whether it's vitamins or minerals or or uh, flucicides etc yeah. so yeah i would have thought she is a drenching gun uh, and certainly the tow trimmers are mm. important pieces of equipment yeah one one of the things that goes with all of that which i i, I now take for granted but it's not always the case that people have got them is hurdles uh, which are tall enough so you can actually create a catch pen and find yeah. some way of, of being able to yeah. manage them. Because if you're going to do, yeah. do any of what you've just said, you yeah. need to be able to contain them and uh, in, in a smaller space because you, you you can't work with them no. in a large space because you, no. No, <laughs> you no. end up chasing them around and, and the temperature goes up, everybody gets a bit stressed. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, mean, does, it does make life so much easier to have something. Yeah, yeah. So that, to me, that would be the number one essential item um, that that should be there. What we tend to do is um, on the sh uh, on the shelter side, wherever the shelters are, mm. uh, you could either do it with hurdles, obviously, or build yeah. a cor a corral with yeah. a small gate in it. Uh, so the animals get used to coming in to the shelter to eat their food and have yeah. access to hay. And Keeps so it dry as well, call, doesn't it, the food? You, yeah, you keep, you know, you call them in with a bucket, you close the gate, and as you quite rightly say, you've got them in a small area where handling then doesn't be, does not become a problem. Because I think that's, for me, my experience has been people have have desired to be mm. able to spend time up close and with the animals but haven't been able mm. to because mm. they're trying to do things in too big a space the animals just move away yeah. um, and they can never seem to to get get close enough to do to do the things they need to mm. Um, mm. and i think yeah. I mean, they are intelligent animals once they understand what it is you're doing and what you expect of them then they do seem to to settle into more of a a, a routine and an acceptance of, of what's going on mm. yeah. yeah definitely Definitely. Mm. I mean, obviously, if you're coming, you're teaching your animals to halter train, mm. then you, de you definitely need a corral area so you can put the halters on without yeah. any issues. And then you can walk them about to get them started mm. and then obviously take them further afield as they get better. Yeah, which they will. <laughs> oh, they <laughs> given, given some time. They learn very quickly. They do. They do. do you have any sense of what's... The, the kind of future direction for the alpaca industry. You've been involved for uh, a good number of years now, uh, and, and it's, we're involved in uh, for a good number of years in the, from the early stages, really, from the sound of it. Um, any sense of where it's going? Uh, personally speaking, uh, I would think, I mean, from when... No doubt yourself. Uh, I don't know how long you've had alpacas, Steve, but as I say, we go back to 2001. Uh, they were rather expensive at that time. Mm. Uh, the price has come down now for the average alpaca quite considerably. Uh, so they have become more affordable. So in my view, that makes more people can afford to have them. So hopefully we'll have more owners, which we do have. Mm. Uh, numbers of owners do seem to be increasing now quite a lot, which has its advantages and disadvantages, obviously. But I, I think um, the, the, the social aspect and just the enjoyment of having alpacas will probably be the main direction. Yeah. There'll always those people that want to go to shows. 
And we have the national show coming up very shortly. It is a couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah. And then there's the Northwest Championships, the Scottish Championships, the Heart of England, you know, all through the summer. But um, that attracts really overall a minority of, of owners. Um, the majority of owners don't probably don't want to show yeah, and yeah. they just want to enjoy their alpacas, have them sheared, make a few garments out of what they, you know, they get from the, the from the, from the fleece and, and just the alp- enjoy the alpaca for what it is. But, uh, the commercial aspect, uh, through Dawson's, we collected, um, I think 17 ton last year of fiber which sounds a lot but it's not really in the big picture of things Mm. i think i think the current population in the uk is about forty thousand. it's it's, it's difficult to judge i I think there's the numbers that you can sort of quote from uh, british alpaca society membership but there's an awful lot of people who've got just a few who are are not members um so but it's it's you gotta get an overall feel It's, it's difficult to have an absolute yeah, for, for I, I would guess about 40,000. Oh, yeah, yeah. so but to, to, to make an industry out of it, you know, you need 200,000. Yeah. Um, Australia has over 200,000 alpacas yeah. now, I think. Yeah. Uh, and they're looking to double that right. in the next few years. Uh, so whether that will happen in the UK, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. It's a different market completely. Our, our climate isn't altogether perfect for alpacas as we're now in the worst part of the year for alpacas mm. february march you know january february march are, are dreadful months for alpacas the fields yeah. are in a uh, in a dreadful state yeah and it's not an environment that you know um, uh, uh, the the grass isn't really the, to me the big issue um because where they live there isn't a huge amount of grass, but the one commodity they don't get a much of is rain. Mm. Uh, they get a lot of snow yeah. and they get very cold temperatures, but the wet stuff just does not suit alpacas at all. No. So that will always be a problem that will be with us as in the sh- certainly in the short term. Anyhow, I can't see the climate changing that quickly. Certainly when the weather books up and the hot weather comes, they enjoy it a lot more. Yeah. That's right. What about you? Have you got a favourite time of year with the alpacas? Uh, springtime, I yeah. think, is always, a, you know, uh, May. It's nearly May. here. It's coming soon. May, <laughs> May and June are probably our favourite times, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. That's that's a, a, a good range over a, a number of things. And obviously, you've got a, a wide range of experience um, that you've you've had over the years. Well, we're we're learning every day. Steve. It, well, there is that. You, it doesn't oh, it yeah. doesn't stop, does it? You do no, go on doesn't. learning. No, yeah. it doesn't. It's always good to hear things from other breeders. Whether you take it on board or not is entirely up to you, or yourself, or you know whoever. Um, but um, yeah, experience is a great thing. So um, mistakes are made along the way. Um, but you also have some, you know, fantastic successes besides that. But uh, just passing on some of those experiences is a, a good thing, I think. Great. Lovely. Well, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate Absolute it. Pleasure. And yeah, uh, pleasure. we'll be in touch. Thanks okay. so, so much. See you again. Okay. okay. Cheers, Steve. Bye, Mike. Bye. I love the way the alpaca community is so wide and varied and so generous.
I hope you enjoyed hearing some of Mike's journey and his experience with alpacas. This has been another episode of the Alpaca Tribe, the podcast for alpaca people. Comments or questions? Please send an email to steve at alpacatribe.com. I would love to hear from you. That's all for now. Thanks for being here and joining me on the journey. Go spend some time with an alpaca. See you again soon. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington.